Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Huzzah! The international break is over and the stars of the Premier League are currently doing their hamstring stretches ahead of the weekend. We're going to be previewing all the matches this week in the Premier League on our dugout show with Matt Jarvis and Stephen Elliott later today. That show is going to be out this afternoon with Niall controlling proceedings there. But for now on Football Social Daily, we're content with picking up the latest news and the biggest talking points from the last 24 hours of top flight action and news. I'm Jim Salverson and despite the transfer window having shut a week ago or so, Brentford are still doing business. A brand new signing has rocked up at the community stadium and he could be the first of a few free transfers heading to clubs as they look to fill those squad gaps with a few of the free agents bobbing about. And there are some decent names doing the rounds as well. We'll take a look at who your club should be targeting later on today's podcast. Plus, you can't avoid it. It's all over social media. It's the big news. Ronaldo's first game in a Manchester United shirt for 12 years is this weekend. But can he possibly live up to the hype that's being created We will be speculating wildly ahead of his second club debut on today's show. To stir that pot, Narmacorn and Marley Anderson with me on the podcast. How you doing, boys? Very good, Jim. I felt like I was transported back to the 1700s when you started the podcast with Hazar, (laughs) but I'm I'm here for it. I'm quite a a fan, actually. I'm I'm trying to decide whether Hazar should be my catchphrase or whether Oi Oi should be my catchphrase. (laughs) That was a... Muted earlier in the week on the podcast. <laughs> oi, oi. Wow. Both. Huzzah, oi, oi. Anyway, the man is back in Manchester. In 2009, Ronaldo swapped Old Trafford for the Bernabeu. And now, over a decade later, he has returned to what many believe is his true home. But can Ronaldo and some of the other deputants in the Premier League this weekend possibly live up to the hype? All the news has been about Ronaldo. All the social media has been about Ronaldo. There's been this storm that has been whipped up, largely, I've got to say, by the Manchester United press office. Hardly an hour goes past without them posting something on their social media about their legendary number seven. There is a lot to live up to here. There is a lot of pressure on a player who 
let's be honest, it's probably used to playing under a lot of pressure. But firstly, I mean, he is a big name. He is one of the best players or has been one of the best players in the world. Is it right to think, Niall, that Ronaldo's going to rock up at Manchester United against Newcastle at the weekend and get straight into that starting eleven? Well, I think he will. Um, and the reason I think he will is because actually he did an interview with Wes Brown, who funnily enough assisted Ronaldo for his goal in the 2008 Champions League final against Chelsea, which they went on to win on penalties after John Terry famously slipped and hit the post in that rainy shootout in Moscow. And in the interview with Wes Brown that he did for Manchester United, he said, hopefully I can persuade Oli to, to put me in the starting 11. He's, he even used the words pressure. He said, hopefully I can pressure the manager to put me in the starting 11. So I think that leads Ronaldo to think that he's not 100% guaranteed to start. But I think when he played for Juventus last season, I think he played in around 85% of the games or 85% of the minutes available to him. So he was only brought off a few times as a substitute or brought off the bench a few times as a substitute. And at 36 years old, you have to say that's a pretty remarkable achievement to be able to play the majority of the minutes in a top flight season, whether that be in Italy or now back in the Premier League. And I think if you've got a talent as good as Ronaldo, he's a game breaker, isn't he? He's someone who can win you games you know, out of nothing. I mean, we saw that in the international break where Portugal huffed and puffed against the Republic of Ireland. Ronaldo missed a penalty, but yet two goals in the last five minutes and he's the all-time record international goal scorer. And it just happened in the blink of an eye. And I think that's what Ronaldo offers you. So with that in mind, I think that when you've got Ronaldo in your arsenal, you have to start him. And I think part of the reasoning behind that, in my opinion, is Manchester United's midfield. It's something we've discussed before on the podcast. Scott McTominay's recently had surgery, so he's probably not 100% fit. People suggest that Nemanja Matic is slightly ageing and perhaps not capable to do that job as well as he once did. Someone like Fred, who I think is through no fault of trying and working hard, might not even be available for the game against Newcastle United this weekend due to all of the issues going on surrounding Brazilian football at the moment but certainly he's had his critics Paul Pogba plays better in a more advanced position and Donny van der Beek well we've not really seen him yet so actually in terms of the midfield options that Manchester United do have I think that's probably the weakest area so therefore you kind of have to counteract that in a different way and I think that by overloading the top end of the pitch that is Manchester United's best chance of being successful in terms of a title challenge this season their attacking talent is absolutely ridiculous and we're talking about Cristiano Ronaldo possibly getting a start. I'm thinking about Mason Greenwood here and thinking about how good he's been in the opening games of the season. He scored in each of Manchester United's first three games of the Premier League season. He's Manchester United's record goal scorer for a teenage player. And he's got a hell of a career ahead of him. And imagine how lethal he could be learning off the likes of Cavani and Ronaldo. But, you know, just those three names there, Greenwood, Cavani, Ronaldo, two experienced players who've been there and done it at the highest level. And a young lad who looks like he certainly could be on his way to doing that as well when his career progresses. So that's just three names. And that doesn't include the likes of Sancho and Rashford when he's back from injury. You know, Martial is very hot and cold, but on his day, he can be good. You know, and I'm sure, you know, that's not including the likes of Pogba and Fernandes, who I just missed out of that conversation there. So in all fairness, Manchester United have got so much attacking talent. And you have to think, is Ronaldo going to be part of that front four against Newcastle? It's got to be yes, hasn't it? I mean, it's almost like the narrative has been built up that he is going to start. And if he doesn't, I don't know whether that will give Newcastle United a little bit of impetus, a little bit of inspiration. Okay, Ronaldo isn't starting the game. 
we can come to Old Trafford and put the cat amongst the pigeons and make it really difficult. Uh, and Steve Bruce um, Marley will tell you, I'm sure... He's a tactical genius and only he can contain Ronaldo. <laughs> is, that, is that what he's going to say? I'm sure he's drawing up all of his plans and tactics on the, on the chalkboard. Steve Bruce's tactics can fit on the back of a postage stamp, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Well, I wonder, whether he'll be, uh, I wonder whether he'll be figuring out a way whether to stop Ronaldo or not. But I fancy him to start, I have to say. I mean, there is a risk, Marley, when a new player signs for a club that he displaces someone in that starting eleven, and it causes a bit of unrest in that squad. Manchester United, they've had a decent start to the season. They were fantastic against Leeds. They were probably lucky against Wolverhampton Wanderers, but they've done all right so far. And as Nile points out, Mason Greenwood has been one of the stars of that starting eleven, but also potentially the man who's most likely to miss out. Do you think there's a risk that if Ronaldo walks into that team, it puts someone's nose out of joint? Or is it a situation where, look, you've got the GOAT coming to your club, He's going to start, he's going to play, and it's going to be at someone's expense. Yeah, that's, I suppose it's a risk. Um, I think Greenwood's so highly thought of, I don't think he'll he'll drop him. I think he'll pair them together somehow. Um, I think Man United, a lot of last season, played like that narrow diamond in midfield, and it tended to work for them, uh, like a 4 sort of four two, uh, like four one two one two formation, so two strikers, uh, Bruno behind them. Pogba and uh, usually Fred in, in midfield and McTominay holding them. I know there's a little bit of a selection issue there, but I feel like you've still got Pogba, Fernandez, and you can get Greenwood and Ronaldo in the same teams. Sancho's not fully fit, I don't think, but probably will be part of the bench only. But I feel like that's that's the way to go. Um, the, the, the thought of our defence trying to stop Ronaldo, even Greenwood on his own, I'd be... I'd be betting every penny I had on Greenwood scoring against us on Saturday afternoon but the fact that he's now you know we've got Ronaldo to to contend with as well we've conceded three penalties in our first three games lost all four uh, lost three of our four games this season in all competitions so I'm a little bit worried this weekend Um, I don't think anybody's going to mention what Newcastle did at all this weekend I think (laughs) there'll be no It'll just be the Ronaldo show as it has been on Man United social media for the last five or six days. I'm actually Can he possibly up. live up to these expectations? Can he live up to the hype? That was the question I asked at the top because, I mean, I can't see how anything other than a hat-trick will be acceptable. Yeah, if he scores, that'll be living up to the hype. Simple as that. Even if yeah. it's a pen. The only the only thing I'm thinking is, do I put him in my fantasy team? And the way I see it, he's going to play at least 15 minutes, so he's going he's gonna to score at least two goals. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm kind of worried about, but yeah, it's um, it's going to be a weekend where I might give uh, match of the day a swerve. To be honest, <laughs> my concern in fantasy football is Bruno Fernandez, who has been a mainstay over the last eighteen months in fantasy football, and he withers under the Ronaldo glare when he plays for Portugal. I wonder whether that a similar thing might happen at Manchester United, him no longer being kind of the main man, the person that makes that Manchester United team tick. But we'll have to wait and see on that. Ronaldo isn't the only debutant potentially getting some pitch time this weekend. There's a few signings that have the opportunity to play for their clubs for the first time. A few that I've picked out. Max Corner at Burnley, Rondon at Everton, Tomashea at Arsenal, Eduard at Palace, Daniel James, who's finally making his move to Leeds after, what, two years after it was supposed to happen the first time. Vlasic at West Ham as well. He could get his debut. Loads of players potentially making that first impression on their fan base. When you look at the bunch of new arrivals that have come to the top flight, who do you think has the potential 
to make the biggest impact, Niall? Well, it won't be Takahiro Tomiyasu at Arsenal, I can tell you that, because he hasn't got his relevant documents sorted out to even play for the club at the moment, which is in typical Arsenal shambolic fashion, (laughs) yeah, as you say. So um, he won't be featuring this weekend, so it won't be him. And as you say, some interesting names, Dan James for Leeds. Allegedly, this is the one that Bielsa wanted two years ago, as we can see that there's photos of him holding up the shirt before sort of Manchester United hijacked the deal and he went to Old Trafford. You know, and he had a couple of seasons at Old Trafford and he was in and out of the team. I don't think it's a case of a lack of quality from Dan James. I think he's a good enough player. I just think when you've got that attacking talent around you at Manchester United, as we've already discussed, it's going to be tough. But actually, I'm interested to see how he gets on for Leeds, seeing as Bielsa really did want him two years ago and now he's finally got his man. I'm just interested to see what Bielsa can do for Dan James, what sort of a player he can turn him into because he's got you know, that explosive pace, which is his kind of hallmark isn't it but maybe there's a little bit more in terms of end product to come so I'm excited to see what Bielsa does with him but actually it's someone who's not on the list and someone I don't think will start and it's a Chelsea player Saul Nugef who's on loan from Atletico Madrid who is a top class midfielder one of the best in Europe on his day for sure and Chelsea's midfield at the moment is just looking absolutely ridiculous you know you've got Jorginho who is some saying in contention for the Ballon d'Or a Champions League winner and a European Championships winner this season or last season I should say you've got N'Golo Conte who is one of the best midfielders in the world at what he does winning balls back that ball retention ball recovery all of that sort of stuff just won't stop running brilliant engine um, gets into the France side every single international break without fail so you know you're looking at two great midfielders there and then you've got, you've got Sal Nugeth to come in and, and offer even more competition in the middle of the park. And Thomas Tuchel, tactically very, very astute. So he knows exactly what he wants from his players. And I'm sure he would have been certainly in and around the conversations when discussing who to bring to the club um, in, in that midfield role. So I'm excited to see how he gets on. Obviously, Atletico felt comfortable enough to loan him after winning La Liga last season. And he didn't play as much of a part as he has done in previous seasons. But a real chance for him to test himself in the Premier League. A different style of play. It's fair to say, I think, a slightly more physical league than La Liga. Um, I'm not going to say it's a better quality because I I think that's disrespectful to La Liga because, you know, (laughs) they, they regularly produce European champions. So I definitely think that his introduction to the Premier League is the one that interests me the most I'm not sure whether he'll have the biggest impact but I'm quite keen to see how he does in terms of Chelsea's recruitment I think a really interesting sign of how well they've recruited certainly over the last few weeks is in the close season I put a bet on Chelsea to potentially win the Premier League this season and already three games in those odds have shortened to such an extent I can now cash out just three games in for a 30% (laughs) profit on my original bet which I don't think I've ever seen happen at this stage in a season. So that is testament to the... So you can the... get £1.33 season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Less than that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that well off Marley. It's, <laughs> so you don't get that much profit off a 30 pence bet. Um, how about you, Marley, then? Who are you looking forward to seeing? Who do you think could have an impact? I'm sure you're all eyes to see Burnley's Cornet playing uh, up front for them. They're your, they're your favourite team after all. I've... I've... That's that still baffles me that that signing. It's so weird. A little skillful French fella coming on, coming to Burnley and saying, "Hey, what 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 if we dribble, guys? You know, rather than just hoof it towards <laughs> that big kiwi up front." Do you reckon he's ever had um, a pie and gravy before? He's definitely never had a pie and gravy. I mean, he has now. 
he's, he's been in the Royal Dice ever since he's... Um, I am bitter. <laughs> yeah, since he signed. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm probably looking at Eduard at Palace, to be honest. I think we've we've mentioned him a lot before on the podcast. He, he nearly went to Brighton, didn't he, at one point? Or we thought he was going to go to Brighton, but the pull of Vieira has, has pulled him to, uh, to Crystal Palace. So, um, again... Palace had a huge hole in their team. They've, they've still got holes in the team, really, but the the big hole was 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 scoring goals. Um, and he's got a hell of a record in in Scotland. Obviously, we we know that it's a it's a, a a step up in in terms of quality and all the rest of it. But he did everything he had to do at uh, at Celtic. So you know, it's time for him to step up. He's he's got a probably a guaranteed place in the team every week. Um, either alongside or in place of Benteke up front. Um, I think he's well-equipped for the Premier League. I think it's just time for time for him to, to kick on his career, really, because he's, he's got an all-round game which would suit the Premier League, I think. Um, he's physical, he's, he's fast. Um, he's got a great eye for goal, he can finish. So I'm looking at them and thinking, can they become a little bit more than just bottom-half dwellers um, like they have been for the last few years? They've been pretty poor in the first few games um slightly better last time out when Conor Gallagher got a couple of goals but you know they need to kick on now because I don't think Vieira's going to get a massive amount of time before people start saying this hasn't worked he's got to get the ball if he's going to put it in the net though hasn't he Edward that's the kind of major problem he's got there there's a couple of names to look out for in terms of debutants going back to Ronaldo very quickly he said earlier this week he's not back in Manchester for a vacation he means business we're obviously based in Manchester at Football Social Daily so if Ronaldo was in Manchester for a vacation what one thing would you be telling him to do lads what would be his number one on the itinerary of things to do in your Manchester vacation which has just been announced as the third greatest city in the world by Time Out magazine by the way I'd be telling him to hire a car and drive to the Lake District (laughs) But avoid those tunnels under the airport. If you remember what happened last time, he tried to drive through them. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to comment on that. But um, no, in all seriousness, I think that Manchester is a tourist's dream if you're into sport. If you, if you like your football, you're going to come and see Old Trafford, Old Trafford Cricket Ground as well, the Etihad, the Velodrome, uh, there's, there's a Speedway Stadium, there's everything that you need. There's some top golf courses around um, so actually, if you're into sport, then it's it's a perfect place for tourism and, and sightseeing. But in in terms of what would I tell Ronaldo to do, I'd I'd say go and explore some of the scenery around because the Peak District's really pretty. Uh, the Lake District isn't too far. Lytham St Anne's isn't too far the other way if you want to take in a few beaches. Um, so actually, in terms of a central location to kind of dip out of and do a few different things here and there. Manchester's good for that. So there would be my recommendations. Very straight answer, Niall. Are you going for a job with the Manchester Tourist Board or something? That was a quite a genuine answer. No, but my dad has worked <laughs> in travelling tourism for 40 years. So I think that's where it comes oh, from. <laughs> Marley, anything more flippant from your side? <laughs> yeah, tell him to come into our office and uh, just be on the podcast come come get involved in the podcast we're really big in like sweden every three weeks <laughs> it's a good shout you can join the dugout show which is our new show that happens on a friday night saturday morning it's a preview ahead of the weekend's action always features two former professional footballers who have played the game and know exactly what it's about 
Tomorrow's show features Matt Jarvis and Stephen Elliott. As I said earlier, you can get that on the podcast feed. As soon as it's ready, click subscribe and you'll get a notification. It will drop into your inbox as soon as that podcast is out. Today's podcast isn't finished just yet, though. We're going to talk about new signings. The transfer window is closed, but Brentford are still doing deals. We'll talk about them next on the Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. It's a quick one today, and the final bit of today's podcast is talking about Brentford, who have snapped up a free signing. They've gone in for Denmark defender Matthias Jorgensen, and they've got him on a free transfer. He's 31. He was at the Euros this summer with Denmark. Previously, just been released by Fenerbahce in Turkey. Could he be one that offers some value to Brentford in the Premier League, Marley? Uh, yeah, I think he could. Um, I remember him playing for Huddersfield a couple of um, couple of years ago, and he wasn't bad. He, he wasn't. Um, he, you know, I mean, Huddersfield went down, obviously, but um, the, the the year they stayed up, I thought he was pretty good, um, pretty solid. His experience, he's been around a long time. He's played in in Europe and you know Champions Leagues and. Um, and Europa Leagues as well, so I feel like it's a bit of a, a, a win-win situation. You get him for free. He's probably not on a very long contract. He's probably not on a massive wage. There's loads of Danes in that um, squad anyway with, with Brentford. The manager's Danish. Um, you've got Pontus Janssen at the back who's Swedish. You've got that sort of Scandinavian link. There's a load of um, Danish lads in midfield as well, like Norgard and... Um, Jensen, yeah, there's there's a couple more as well that I can't even uh, can't remember now, but um, is is decent enough player. Like, I don't think there's anything to lose with this situation. You know, you get in a guy who's played in the Premier League. He's played, I think he's got something like thirty odd caps for Denmark. So happy days. I think it's a decent little shrewd signing. Marley mentions that he has got that Premier League experience with Huddersfield, albeit not the greatest experience with Huddersfield. It was quite ill-fated, his time there. I mean, is that essentially what Brentford are buying, Niall? They're buying an old head, they're buying a bit of experience, someone who knows the leagues that can maybe guide maybe the younger members of that Brentford team through this season. Yeah, Marley's right. It's only a one-year deal, and I think he's um, in his early 30s, uh, Matthias Jurgensen, and Definitely, I think that he can offer something in terms of an option at the back. And we know how astute Brentford are at picking up signings. And and maybe this is just one of those where, okay, he's on a free transfer. We'll give him a one-year deal. He's Danish, so he'll fit in quite well. It's just one of those things where it feels like Brentford know what they're doing when it comes to making signings. And even though this is a free transfer, this is a player who has international experience. He's got 35 caps for Denmark. Um, interestingly enough, you might see him referred to as Zanka rather than Matthias Jurgensen. Um, that's his nickname, Zanka, because uh, of the film Cool Runnings. You remember that with the Jamaican <laughs> bobsleigh team? Yeah, great film. Yeah, well, he's nicknamed Zanka after Sanka from the from the the Cool Runnings film. So that's where the nickname comes from. What's the hair? I mean, it's like it, they don't look similar. I'm I'm not sure why. Uh, why he's called Zanka, but that's certainly his nickname. You might even see it on the back of his shirt because that's often how he's referred to. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a real sort of Scandinavian contingent in Brentford's team. Um, you know, Marley mentioned Janssen there, but there's also Christopher Ayer as well, who I think has he come down from Celtic. So you know, they've got some they've got some interesting Scandinavian talent in their side, and 
you know, I, I think Jurgensen will just offer that that solid backup option. I can't see him starting too many games, but you know, he he's an imposing centre half. He has Premier League experience or at least Championship experience uh, with Huddersfield Town. He's played a big club in Turkey in Fenerbahce, so in terms of the atmosphere, I'm sure he'll be fine. And also, Denmark is an international. Um, and he was in their provisional squad for the Euros, and obviously Denmark did excellently in the Euros. So I think he's definitely got all the tools to to do a decent enough job for Brentford. Is defence an issue for Brentford? They've done all right so far this season, Marley. I think they've conceded one goal, and that was against Aston Villa. They kept a clean sheet against Palace, clean sheet against Arsenal as well. So although they haven't faced the elite, maybe, they've been doing all right in that area. Yeah, I, I don't think the, the defence is bad. Um I look at, you know, we just talked about the talent. They've got, they've signed Ayer from, from Celtic, 15 million quid. They picked up Pontus Janssen after he fell out uh, with the, the squad and everyone who went near him at Leeds. Um, and he, he was one of the best centre-backs in the Championship, Pontus Janssen. Um, Ethan Pinnock looks okay as well. You know, he's he's kind of um, uh, promising. Um and then they've brought in this, you know, Matthias Jorgensen, who's, who's got the experience, as we've said. So I feel like the, the defence isn't bad. I think as well at left-back, um, Rico Henry's a really good player as well. He's, he's very promising and probably will stay in the Premier League if Brentford uh, if Brentford slip out of it. But I've always fancied him at West Ham. I think he'd be a, a shrewd acquisition for someone. Yeah, he's he's um he's he's promising. I think he's only he's like twenty three, twenty four, something like that. So he's um he's he's quality player as well. But I feel like um midfield is is sort of what worries me a little bit more. The sort of chance creation and the and the combative, um like win the ball back in midfield, for example. But um I think they've got enough at, at centre back to to sort of rely on them. I think there's not an obvious weakness. I think. Jorgensen coming in, I don't think he'll he'll play every week. I think it'll be more um, Janssen and and Ayer as as the regular two, um, and Pinnock as well. But you know, four tops, they're they're good centre backs for for a newly promoted team. You know, you compare them to Norwich, mm-hmm. and Norwich has still got Grant Hanley, and he's never been he's never been good enough for the Premier League. And you're looking at them thinking, yes, he's got experience, but he's always been a Championship level player, Grant Hanley. And then you're looking at experience of being really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, know, you came to Newcastle for a while, never got a kick, but um, yeah. Um, you look at Brentford and you say you got Janssen, You just spent 15 million on Ayer as well. You know you'd probably back them to have a bit of a, a bit of a, a better defence. Yeah, in term in terms of the promoted teams from the Championship last year, Jim, you talk about them defensively. Uh, they scored the most goals, I think, of anyone in the Championship last season, 79 goals, but they conceded 42, which is considerably more than what Watford and Norwich conceded in terms of the promoted teams from last season's Championship. Even Swansea, who they beat in the playoffs to get to the Premier League, conceded three fewer goals than they did. Is that personnel or is that style, though? I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. I think in terms of Brentford's style, we know that they're going to try and score goals and play attacking football, and I don't think that that blueprint is going to change. And I think that you have to tip your hat to um, Thomas Frank for the way that he's kind of constructed that squad and the way that he kind of gets the team ticking on the field of play. I definitely think that we will see Brentford surprise a few teams this season. They've already surprised Arsenal, although... It wasn't that much of a surprise, was it? Brentford, first day of the season, buzzing to be back in the top flight. First game at their new stadium uh, in front of a full house and Arsenal on a downward 
trend, but certainly I think they'll win a few more games like that this season, Brentford. I still think they'll be struggling come the end of the season, mind you, down the bottom reaches of the table. But I do think they'll put in a few performances in which people will look at them and go, well, okay, actually they're not a terrible side just because they're kind of this sort of small club from West London who have always been in the shadow of the likes of QPR and Chelsea and Fulham. Um, it, it doesn't mean that they can't hold their own and punch above their weight. And I think that's exactly what they're doing right now by even being in the Premier League, punching above their weight. And they've done it by playing an attractive style of football, which has got everyone excited and off their seats. And people are looking forward to seeing how Brentford do in the top flight. And I'm one of those people. I do think come the end of the season and come the running that they'll struggle because I do think defensively they're still going to have those those issues. But I think that they're probably tightening things up now with the with the additions they've made the likes of Ayer and now Jurgensen you've got experience in there and that is probably what Thomas Frank was thinking of when they come up to the Premier League okay we've scored 79 goals in the championship I think we're pretty much okay for the top end of the field but what about at the back can we just make things a little bit more watertight because attacks in the Premier League are far more dangerous than in the championship and that's no discredit to the championship because it's a tough league and there are some very good attacking players but I think if you compare the two divisions in terms of the attacking talent. You just need to have a look at someone like Neil Mope or Shea Adams who've come up from the championship and it's taken them a little bit of time to adapt to life in the Premier League and now they're just about hitting their straps as top flight strikers. So I think it's something to be to be aware of about how much uh, more attacking talent there is right through the depth of the Premier League. So Brentford will be aware of that. I think they've tried to address that and um, this, this should be an interesting signing and I just wonder um, how they'll do come Christmas time. I think like when Leeds first came up and Sheffield United first came up, people were expecting them to be right down the bottom again and actually they they surprised a few teams along the way. So I'm I'm predicting Brentford to do the same. I think we'll all agree that Jorgensen could be a shrewd signing, fairly low risk, and it does prove that there are some free transfers to be had. Obviously, the window's closed, so we're not going to see a huge amount of activity, but we might see a few Premier League teams just dipping into that free transfer market to add some depth elsewhere in their team where there are gaps. Some of the players that are available on freeze, uh, Serge Aurier from Spurs, David Luiz, once of Chelsea, most recently of Arsenal, he's available on a free. Jack Wilshere, of course, as well. He was released by Bournemouth at the end of last season. He's very actively looking for a club, giving a lot of interviews, talking about his match fitness and whatnot. So he's very keen to continue playing. You both had a look at the list of free transfers that are available. Who can you see on there? who could potentially do a job for a Premier League club and which Premier League club do you think should be making moves in that kind of area? You can go first, Marley. Uh, I'm, I don't know, because everyone tends to want pain, don't they, to play football and Newcastle won't, won't really pay them. <laughs> that, <isn't> it? <laughs> um, no one really. I, I think of this of this list of players... You know, unless you're playing FIFA or Footy Manager, I don't think it works because they they tend to be free for a reason, um, and they're going to come with big wages. You think of like David Luiz, for example. If another Premier League team gave him a shot, they're going to pay him a lot of money, and he's not going to do that well. You know, he he did pretty much nothing at Arsenal. Um, looked as though he's he was past his peak considerably, um, and I feel like he won't be getting a, a focused sort of 100% David Luiz, you'd be getting a guy who's taking a bit of a, a pay, like just enjoying the money that he's getting basically. Um, so I don't really think there's too many that I would fancy from from the list of, of players. Um, I'm still always disappointed when Jack Wilsh is never playing for a team because 
you know, we 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 know how good he was when he was a teenager, and it's a shame he's not uh, he's not kicked on from it to be honest. But um, yeah, none I'd really fancy. I think Aurier's might Aurier might go to uh, go to Arsenal. I've I've heard as well, but even him is a disaster waiting to happen most uh, most weeks. So I'm I'm happy with well. I use that term loosely. I'm, <laughs> I'm satisfied with what we've got at the minute in Newcastle. I don't think there's anyone going to come in out of them lot. I think if you look at the list of free transfers available at the moment, Jim, it's a bit of a Premier League graveyard. Some of the names that you can see on here are, um, are very familiar to Premier League fans. It's not quite as tasty as it, it's not quite as tasty as it normally is. Actually, at this time of the year, normally there's a few more exciting prospects in there, but it's kind of slim pickings this season. I think. Well, I don't know. Marley says he wouldn't want anyone to come into Newcastle, but Hatem Ben Arthur's a free agent Ooh, at 34. I'll take it back. Ro- yes. Robbie Brady's available as well, Marley. So uh, you never know. <laughs> no, we've already signed one form, one former Burnley player in Jeff Hendrick, and it went it went terribly because I've never seen a worse player play for us. <laughs> but yeah, but Ben Arthur, Jesus, he's he's welcome back anytime. He's one of the most talented players I've ever seen in a black and white shirt. Well, you've got players that are largely in their early to mid thirties that are on this free transfer list. I mean, Mo Diame is another one. Daniel Sturridge, another one. Sebastian Giovinco, who was a very good player on his day, and I'm sure can still offer something. Carlos Tevez is knocking about. Okay. As well. <laughs> well, there's 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 plenty of free agents available but as you say as Marley says you know it's that signing on fee isn't it I mean if you sign David Luiz you've got a 34 year old centre-back who I think is actually I quite like David Luiz I know he gets this reputation for making mistakes I think he would be would have been a better defensive midfield player than he would have been centre-back but I'd certainly think that you know when you're looking at signing some of these free agents you are looking at reasonably big signing on fees and are some of the middling Premier League clubs prepared to pay that uh, I'm not sure they are. As for Jack Wilshere, he's 29 now. So if he doesn't find a new club soon, he, he's going to be scratching around. He's been training with um, uh, Como, who are a Serie B club, second division Italian side, to get his fitness up. But Mikel Arteta said in his press conference yesterday that the doors are always open at the Emirates for Jack Wilshere to return to training. Now, he didn't say to offer him a contract, but um, he said that you know the door is always open at London Colney, Arsenal's training ground, for him to get his fitness up. He was most recently at Bournemouth, and I think that he could do a job for a championship club. I think the problem with Jack Wilshere is the fact that when he left Arsenal to go to West Ham, he was on so much money. And I think now that, you know, that that is probably what he's set as a benchmark is, is a certain wage and a certain signing on fee. And unfortunately, when you're a free agent, there's only so long you can be fussy for before you need to get back into a job and you know we talk about football as recreation and as entertainment it is sport at the end of the day but it's also a job for these players and really how many bankrolled championship clubs are able to offer Jack Wilshire a decent signing on bonus and decent enough wages you know on, on a contract that would suit him so I think actually going to West Ham and being on the money that he was on at West Ham might have actually hindered him, um, probably not in the short term with the financial benefits, but in the longer term, it, it's a difficult one. And I think that that's what people forget is the financial implications around signing these players. It's not that nobody wants Jack Wilshere because he's a bad player, because he absolutely isn't. He's a very, very good player and can do a job for teams in the Championship and probably in the Premier League too. But is anyone prepared to pay money for a player who has a poor injury record, is 29 and hasn't played Premier League football for a year and a half. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll let you answer that, Jim, as someone who's seen him play at West Ham. I mean, 
uh, are there many teams out there that would take that approach and sign in Wilshire? I'm not sure there would be in the current climate. It's a funny situation isn't it, with Jack Wilshire because you say he could do a job for a championship team, but he had the opportunity to do that at Bournemouth last year and he didn't really impress. I think he played, I don't know, a dozen games, something like that for Bournemouth. And at West Ham, as you say, didn't pull up any trees. He had a couple of really strong games, but other than that, it was bits and pieces here and there. He never looked like the Jack Wilshire of old, certainly. And there were suggestions that was due to his fitness. But then he's saying now that there is nothing wrong with his fitness and he's been fit, match fit for two and a half years without picking up any injuries. So it's who do you believe in that scenario? So why didn't it work at Bournemouth? If he can offer a championship team somewhere, you'd think that Bournemouth would be the kind of ideal environment for him to do that. It was just a six-month contract at Bournemouth, wasn't it? I think he played 15 games, one goal, one assist, something like that. And Bournemouth didn't get promoted. I think if Bournemouth had got promoted to the Premier League, I reckon they would have kept him on. But they didn't, and then there have been change of management and stuff like that. I mean, I I don't want to say Jack Wilshere has been unlucky, but it does feel like there's an element of that to his career. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, mean, I wonder what... I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to say things about a player's attitude when we don't really know what he's like as an individual. But you read the recent interviews that he's given, and... There, there is almost there's an element of sadness, and I, I don't again I don't want to say it's a woe is me kind of attitude he's got, but there seems to be a lot of blame put on other people rather than necessarily taken on himself for why he hasn't hit the heights that he potentially could have hit. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I don't know enough about Jack Jack Wilshere really. I mean, I think you'd need an Arsenal fan to come on and talk about him because I know they still love him at Arsenal, and he was a bit of a fan's favourite, and he played some unbelievable hands for England as well. There was one game England played a friendly against Brazil. It must have been 2013, 2012, something like that. And he just ran the show. He was unbelievable that game. And that's something you... I seem to remember the Brazilians talking about him afterwards as well. Like the players, I forget the exact quotes, but I seem to remember the the players praising Jack Wilshire after that game. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think all the uh, the England lads as well speaking after the game were, were praising how good Wilshire was. And I think that was the time when Gerard and Lampard were still playing um in midfield for England so actually you know to get praise from those guys in the same position as you with the careers that they had is good enough let alone the manager and the rest of the Brazil squad saying how good you've been but I think that's part of the frustration I mean like you say we don't know about attitudes and stuff like that but the fact that he is on his day able to turn in performances like that some of the goals he was part of for Arsenal as well there's quite a famous one I think it was against Norwich where basically Arsenal were just chipping the ball over Norwich's head and passing it around one touch first time passing and then he just kind of side foots it into the corner to finish off a wonderful team move I think that was in the Arsene Wenger days we've seen we've seen him be a part of moves like that for Arsenal on a number of occasions when he was playing there but yeah it's almost like wow where's that gone why is it gone downhill maybe that's what he needs to figure out that question is why why is he a free agent why does nobody want him and if that's something he needs to address himself before he gets a new deal because he'll be 30 in January and now, I think at that point, the cards are very much stacked against you in terms of, of how your career will go. Wait to see whether someone takes a chance on Jack Wilshire. He is available as a free transfer, along with a load of those other names we mentioned as well. But that is it for today's Football Social Daily. We'll be back later on tonight slash tomorrow morning, whenever it is you next delve into your podcasting app. You can hear our brand new show, The Dugout. This weekend is with former Wolf star Matt Jarvis and former West Ham star as well, and Stephen Elliott, once of Sunderland. You can check out 
that show on the Football Social Daily feed as soon as it's ready. But thank you very much for listening. There is more football news at the website sport-social.co.uk and we'll see you next time for another Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.